Erin Hardnett. And I'm Amber Mitchell. And you're listening to Tilling the Soil, a Whitney Plantation podcast. In this season of Tilling the Soil, we will be exploring various conversations surrounding the environment. Welcome back, everyone, to Tilling the Soil. I'm Amber Mitchell, Director of Education at Whitney Plantation, joined here with Erin Hartnett. I'm so glad that perhaps you've gotten to know me a bit over this season. Today, we are recording our final episode of the season, and it will also be my last day working on the podcast. And Amber and I just wanted to jump in at the end to kind of reflect on the season, think about main takeaways from our theme of the environment, and also maybe talk a bit about the production of this season, give y'all a bit of a behind the scenes look. Absolutely. And it's honestly crazy to think that our summer has flown by so quickly and that we are already at the end of our season two recording schedule. So it is very exciting to be here at this point, but it's also really exciting to have had Aaron join us this season. As I mentioned at the beginning of, of season two, we were taking a different approach in both the production and thinking about themes, but also in letting our next generation of museum professionals, public historians, and radical believers in history as a mold of activism for our communities really take the lead on this. And so I think where I would like to start, Aaron, if we're going to jump right into it, our kind of reflection, is that I'd love for you to to kind of walk us through, I guess, your sort of overall feelings with the recordings of this season, especially thinking about what your favorite episode has been. Amazing. Okay, so I I would start by saying that in coming into this internship, I was not fully certain how it was going to look, you know, recording a podcast is something that I've never done. So initially, I perhaps had some misconceptions. But I was very excited when I realized that I would be able to, you know, directly interact with, you know, scholars and organizers to talk about the environment for this season for a number of reasons, but especially because the environment is a continually pressing issue. And honestly, I think that our selection of that theme became just even more prescient whenever the summer kind of wore on and we had this historically hot summer, right? It has been honestly just miserably hot here in Louisiana. And I think that if I'm going to select an episode that, of course, I don't want to pick favorites because our guests, all of our guests were, were wonderful, but whenever it comes to like my personal research that I was kind of like bringing in to this internship, I, I focus largely on black Louisianan history and with a specific focus on maroons. Like that is the project that I would be moving, will be moving forward with. And I think that for me, the most impactful discussion was actually with Dr. Britt Morris from Clemson University, because he was just kind of talking about the ways that he got into researching maroons and the the variety of sources that he had to utilize to create a kind of like fully formed, but like obviously never finished story about Maroons and the Great Dismal Swamp. And that was very useful for me to think about the ways that I will begin to tell the stories of Maroons in Louisiana. And beyond that, I also 
was just very struck with his final reflection where we were kind of discussing like what we can learn about the environment from looking at maroons and the way that he spoke about what was it the ethics of survival that maroons use to constantly use and reuse what they had until the items are no longer useful right and even then to still keep them right because the objects that we invite into our lives the objects that we have in our in our lives are significant and we should respect them in that way and we should also respect the environment respect the environment enough to continue to reuse items and also respect the environment as a force and in, in and of itself because as he said the swamp was the main character of the book. Like, yes, Maroons were the subject of the book, and obviously their stories need to continue to be uplifted. But also the swamp itself is is a character that will outlive us all. So I felt that that was, was a very impactful conversation for me because it kind of gave me a look at where I will be perhaps in like 10 years, you know, after I've, you know, gotten into a PhD program and started the work that I want to do. Yeah, I must say that that, I mean, I've enjoyed all of our episodes, but I think that episode with Brent was very interesting in that it kind of complicates our understanding of Maroons in so many different ways, but especially as Whitney works with our community partners at with Freedom on the Move to create an exhibition and programming and curriculum around resistance and self-emancipation, including Maroons, I think adding that additional context of just how important not only community was, but environment. And again, us underscoring our overall theme, which seems to seep into everything that we even attempt to talk about on site here at Whitney. Can I tell you a little bit about my favorite episode? Please do. Yes. What was your favorite? Well, as you said, not favorite, because they're all good. But yes. I think I think what I've really enjoyed this season has been one on top of, you know, exploring just a theme, but also being able to see how you, Aaron, put real intent behind each episode and thinking about, well, what what about the environment is going to inspire a chef like Chef Toya Bodhi? Or how is our connection as descendants kind of reflected in our environment and environmental issues that we see today, a la our interview with the folks from Africatown. But I think what I've really enjoyed has been a play on format. So the uh, field trip that you took with uh, Louisiana Bucker Brigade on the environmental bike tour that was co-led by uh, Joe Banner from the Descendants Project. I think that that format where it was y'all in the field, because also I, I love a good documentary. I love a good, you know, oh, we're, you know, on the ground doing the work sort of storyline. And that allowed us to play with this we're in the moment, we're getting raw information, and we're also experiencing this event at the same time that our listeners are, while we're also in this context of being in spaces and places where these events are happening, and we're able to see the billowing chemicals coming out of plants, and we're able to smell and experience what people who are living in these areas are experiencing every day. And we also are seeing very much the lived 
and historic landscapes of plantations. And so being able to hear not only your voice, but also the voice of other Whitney staff and interns during those two episodes, I think really made it for me. And I hope that it also has made it for our our audience that hopefully that they are also inspired to take the Louisiana Bucket Brigade tour. Because when I tell you that it is impactful and you don't really believe what you're hearing on the news until you see it, until you're living it and experiencing it, I'm telling you, it is a whole nother ball game really makes it clear that, you know, yeah, this is Cancer Alley, but it's Cancer Alley built on Black bodies and built on these former labor camps for enslaved Africans and their descendants in these communities. But I think what the most important thing to underscore there is that there are also communities that are fighting back against these these groups. And it's so inspiring to see just how powerful we are, even as individuals or as a small collectives to take on these mammoth organizations, these mammoth companies that have millions of dollars, hell, even our own state, even our own local governments, and going up against things that we know are wrong, things that we know could be and should be better. And in fact, in some cases, winning. Yeah. And just to give the audience a little bit more context about those two episodes, you only get to hear about a third of the content that I actually recorded. There was so much more raw audio footage that I could have included, but we very intentionally did not include the entire tour so that, you know, if people want to go to the Louisiana Bucket Brigade and take the tour themselves, it's there will still be new information. And also a really important part of the Bucket Brigade tour is like Amber said, being physically in the environment and also having conversations amongst the group that you take the tour with and also with the tour leader. So definitely I would encourage anyone who really felt engaged by those two episodes to take the tour themselves. And, you know, the bike tour specifically, we drove because it was kind of later in the summer, but they have bike tours in the fall and spring whenever it's it's a more hospitable time <laughs> to yeah, be on a bike <laughs> yeah, in Louisiana. Because no, in a hundred some odd degrees, it's, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I would also encourage people to look in their own communities about if there is something similar. Are there similar organizations that are really dedicated to helping us preserve our environments and helping us preserve our climates in our particular areas and see how you can support them. See if they're doing something similar as far as a tour or classes or things like that. Um, I can guarantee you that there is someone in your community doing that work. In this particular context, where it's an intersection of environmental racism, classism, historical racism, and plantation history, but I can guarantee you it's going to be more than worthwhile for you to go and see what's going on in your own backyard. For sure. And also to feel empowered to do the work yourself, right? At the same time that I've been doing this internship here, I've also been kind of doing the work to preserve the oral histories at my grandmother's church, which was founded in 1862, right? Like during the Civil War. So understanding that history is all around us and that we are kind of enmeshed into it, right? And the locations and kind of experiences that we've had over the course of our lives are actually significant and do deserve to be preserved. So yeah. Yeah, that's a great point, Erin. And on that note, I think I'd like to 
pivot us to a little bit more about the less sexy part of the podcast, but all the back behind the scenes stuff, you know, and I would love to hear you reflect a little bit more on how production went this season, you know, as well as, you know, any other thoughts that you might have had about the overall internship experience. Yeah. So production for a podcast is hard. It's, it's a lot more difficult than I even could have imagined. You know, I enjoy listening to podcasts fairly regularly. That's how I get my news generally. But the podcasts that I listen to are very big budget, have a very large team, more than just, you know, like the two of us plus our editor, right? No, but they have like a team of script writers, a team of editors, you know, a team of people to actually be the voices of those podcasts. And when you are doing these things in-house with, you know, a small staff and a limited budget, you really realize how much how many different kind of jobs are included in producing a podcast. And one thing that I didn't necessarily expect to gain from the summer, but I'm glad that I did was some experience with audio editing. I had done some video editing in the past, but nothing to the extent of winnowing through three hours of footage to get down to one hour to split between two episodes with a narration track. Absolutely nothing that kind of work intensive. And, you know, I have spent many hours (laughs) editing all of these episodes, thankfully with the help from our podcast editor as well. So, so yeah, that's, that is definitely the less glamorous part. Like it is so easy to sit down and record, you know, an hour, 90 minutes of footage, but then whenever you have to cut it down to 45 minutes, Mm -hmm. that that's a whole other issue, right? And then it also brings up the question of like, what are the ethics of removing people's words? And how can you maintain the integrity of someone's, of someone's, you know, words, while, while making sure that you also make the experience listenable Mm. for, for the audience, you know, no matter how much I would have loved to include the 90 minute interviews that I've done. I just don't necessarily think that that's something that an audience would want to, to tune into. And I respect that because personally, whenever I am an audience member, that is not something that I I go out and seek. Yeah. And I think that's also something we realized last season when we were bright eyed and bushy tailed about how much work was going to be a part of tilling the soil in season one. And I think as we refined it for season two and thinking about, you know what, while some people are going to be interested in the two hour long conversations where we're kind of joking and laughing, sometimes we need to tighten it up and make it a little bit shorter and a bit more consumable. And so it's been nice to get that sort of difference in this season and season two, which also allows us to play around a little bit more with the types of experiences that we're creating. It does make it a little bit more challenging, as you said, but you've been a real trooper this summer in like, (laughs) at times slogging through a lot of some really great conversations and then having to just figure out, God, do I cut this out? What do I cut out? How do I cut it out? What makes sense? What doesn't make sense? So I hope everyone has a new respect for a good editor. So (laughs) yeah. And it's also important to note that sometimes I cut things out for people's privacy, you know, like in a conversation that, you know, you're having with one individual, maybe you feel more comfortable to, you know, share stuff about your life that you would not necessarily want to go out to an audience of thousands. And I respect that. And that was actually very important to me to make sure that like people's privacy is not infringed upon because of the work that we're doing. 
Aaron, would you like to talk about what your future plans are beyond season two of Tilling the Soil? Yeah. So I am actually applying for PhD programs this yeah, in the fall. So, you know, shoot up a prayer for me or talk to your ancestors or whatever you do is send some good energy to those decision committees. So I am hopeful, faithful even that I will get into a PhD program and then I will be doing the good work, hopefully to help to begin or rather continue and expand the conversation about maroons in Louisiana. It's so exciting. So, so much worthwhile work going on. And it's wonderful that we've been able to even just have you for one season, Aaron. So thank you for all your hard work. Yes. And thank you for, for inviting me to, to join you. I'm so glad that I've had this experience this summer. But I think that like, maybe we should, you know, end on the highest note that we could end on. You want, you want to uh, tell them? Sure. Ooh, it sounds so ominous. You want to tell them or should I? <laughs> no, it's good news. It's good news, it's y'all. It's wonderful news. So as you all know, especially if you have been a longtime listener since season one, our partners at the Descendants Project, which is the collective of descendants of Whitney Plantation and other plantations along the River Road in Southeast Louisiana that have been organized and activating our local community in St. John the Baptist Parish around mobilizing to defend historic former Whitney Plantation lands from being built upon by uh, a grain terminal operated by Greenfield LLC, which is a company based out of Colorado. The Descendants Project have, along with their allies at the Center for Constitutional Rights, based out of New York, led several lawsuits both against uh, the Port of Louisiana, our uh, local parish government in St. John the Baptist Parish, really around this idea of zoning. So the most exciting news that could happen (laughs) has happened in the last two weeks. And last week, so yeah, it was Friday the 4th, August 4th, we heard that the ruling where the lands that were illegally zoned as industrial that were purchased to build this grain terminal was struck down so that the zoning was ruled unconstitutional. And it was removed and replaced with what it was originally supposed to be. And that is um, residential, residential farming lands. Yes. So that means that as it currently stands, Greenfield cannot build the grain terminal in those spots, which means that the potential and the anomalies that we believe are potential grave sites unmarked enslaved grave sites cannot be touched, which is so exciting. I swear when I heard the news, I I I don't know how many tears <laughs> came out. Me and and Joy and Joe just I think kind of just screamed on the phone. It was just an amazing, amazing win for not just our community, but I think lots of different communities that are at this moment, fighting these battles, these, again, these kind of David and Goliath battles of communities in defense of themselves, especially Black and Brown communities being led by Black and Brown women to defend their themselves and defend our histories so that we aren't having to choose between jobs and the preservation of our family stories. So it's just been an amazing, just, it's just amazing. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know how else to describe it. Yeah, so definitely let's make some noise for the Descendant Project and also like make some noise for the grassroots efforts that continue to happen across the country to protect the environment and to protect communities. So yeah, 
We just want to leave y'all with this high note. And thank you so much for tuning into season two. I will not be here for season three as the internship has ended, but I'm so excited to see where this podcast goes on without me. Well, my friends, this is a wrap on season two of Tilling the Soil. If you're interested in learning more information about anything we've talked about on this episode or past episodes, please check out the show notes for each of those episodes on your preferred podcast uh, platform. Keep us in mind as you uh, travel this fall and uh, next year. We have a lot of things going on at Whitney Plantation and we would love to see you here on our grounds. Uh, So please stop by. We are at 5099 Highway 18 in beautiful Edgard slash Wallace, Louisiana in St. John the Baptist Parish. So please come by and see us. And we are looking forward to seeing you in season three. Thank you for tuning in to Tilling the Soil. For more information on the podcast or Whitney Plantation, go to WhitneyPlantation.org. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. All the handles can be found in the description. Thanks for listening.